Don't aim between the eyes, princess, he said. I peered through the night scope at the shapes coming out of the woods. Their brain pan is short, like a bear's. If you hit them between the eyes, you'll just get part of his hair and piss it off. Aim for the nose. Months ago, something changed. Wendigos weren't hunting solo anymore. Instead, they were hunting in packs. They got my mom and my little brother within a few days of each other. That happened only three weeks ago, and I still dream about my mother screaming for help. I didn't dream about my brother. I just saw him everywhere. Blood in his hair, frightened tears running down his cheeks. The Wendigos surrounded my mother on three sides. The only way for her to run was towards the side of the house, where there was no door. They backed her up and overcame her. My brother was just too far from the house. Two Wendigos knocked him down and ripped him apart. Following that, Dad and I lived in a metal bunker. During the daytime, it was safe to go out and collect wood and water or empty buckets of whatever. We had plenty of ammo and three rifles. At night, we would turn off the lantern and put out any lit candles. Then we would sit by the gun slits and watch for Wendigos. After I watched one night, he said I was ready to start shooting. I bounced the rifle in the gun slit and watched through my scope. More Wendigos were slinking out of the woods. The radio dad left in the house had their attention, but one of the Wendigos lifted his snout to smell. He could smell my scent rafting out of the bunker. I had his nose in the crosshairs. The blast knocked me down. I sprung up to see a crumpled body and Wendigos looking at the body, then at the bunker. Dad got the next one. My next shot only staggered me for a moment. Dad shot again. Wendigos can move fast, but two shooters alternating shooting and loading can bring down an easy dozen. We killed every member of that pack. In the morning, we got the small tractor out of the barn and stacked the dead bodies. We burned them, the pillar of smoke rising like a smoke signal to any other Wendigo pack. Come here, die here. That was my last summer with dad. I was 14 years old. I learned how to shoot, how to drive, how to stack them and burn them. I show no mercy because when I was 14 years old, Wendigos followed my dad to town and tore him to pieces. Daylight didn't save him. Nightfall won't save them. Nothing will save them. I can cry and drive, bringing extinction with me. The cold was, well, it was insane. Best word for it, really. It was crazy how fast it snapped, how quickly the whole world found itself at 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and then 20 degrees, zero degrees. That's when people started dying. The most unprepared were the first to go. Obviously, children near the borders of the Sahara, old women living near the South America equator, any person who hadn't known that it could be this cold. I guess it was once it hit negative 50 that people really started to freak, really freak, stabbing each other over gas cans, huddling inside for months at a time, eating whatever they had, eating parts of themselves, eating each other. That was when the first reports of cannibalism started. Slowly, at first, but increasing with alarming speed, 
as the world continued to descend. Negative 60, negative 80, negative 100. We started to even out around 140. I guess whatever had caused the impossible freeze thought that was enough. Humans started gathering in huddles, grouping, colonizing. We scrounged our food from what we could find, canned goods, rival gangs, and, of course, each other. It's crazy what hunger will do to a person. Some people pled the high road. No, I won't. I can't. That's wrong. You're disgusting. I can never even think to eat another person. But in the end, when you feel your belly against your spine, the high road doesn't seem so appetizing anymore. And I guess that's the price you pay. Living in a world like this is almost worse than dying. Human flesh kind of tastes like chicken. The worst thing I ever saw was a boy. He was missing like so many of us were, most of his fingers. Nothing but stumps and blackened palms. His ears were gone too, though he could hear us fine I think. He tried to cry, but his tears froze to his face. His skin peeled every time he opened his mouth. The water and ice caked his features, cracking and crackling and ripping his skin. And he begged us. He begged, almost on his knees, but his legs wouldn't bend. They were too stiff from the cold. His flesh was too rotten to eat, so we just burned him for warmth. The kid must have been 10 or 12. He had crawled for so long, he had almost smiled. Smiled with his blue and bleeding lips when he found us. He thought that we were his salvation, and we killed him. I can't even cry anymore because it freezes to my skin. I can't scream for the fear of ripping off my face. I can't hardly run because the cold freezes my legs. My bones ache. I can feel my lungs wheeze with every breath of freezing air. I can feel my heart start to slow. So the real question isn't what you'll do to survive because that answer is simple, anything. The question is, why survive? Legends say they may go crazy on this here mountain. They say that when you go hungry enough, that the trees speak to you, whisper things in your ear. They whisper about your deepest, darkest desire. Their branches reach out to you like a mother to a crawling baby. They change you, strip you down, and I ain't just talking about clothes. They strip down your mind, they refine your feelings to the bare minimum. No remorse. No regret, no nothing. The trees turn to perfect killing machines. The cannibal Wendigo. If you look at a Wendigo before and after, you might think that they're completely different people. But don't listen to an old man's story. Just make sure you pack a good lunch before heading out. I get up from my table and grab my pack. Thanks, I'll be sure to keep my eyes peeled for any scary looking monsters. Davis gets up grabbing his steak knife from the table. When did I say they look like monsters? Beware the skinwalker. That's what my parents told me. He roams the woods and steals up naughty children who stay out past bedtime. He'll shave your head and steal your face and wear you like a mask. 
It was a silly story told around the fires at night to scare young ones into obeying their parents. It worked. Every child returned home as soon as the golden blazing sun crest the highest mountain surrounding our tiny little city. As the last rays of light traveled across the land our ancestors claimed, sweeping like a wave, the children ran to the safety of their wooden homes. They all followed this rule up until they grew out of these silly superstitions. My old uncle Robin stayed out three nights hunting, they would boast. There's nothing out there to fear more than bears and mountain lions. They would stay on a party late into the night with other young ones against their parents' wishes. The parents couldn't get control of their children, so they started sending adults dressed in leather masks to scare the children back into their homes. It was him. I saw him with my own eyes, they would tell each other. He was there, wearing a face and everything. I'm lucky to be alive right now. But again, reasons brought them to the same conclusion. No children have gone missing in over a decade. How could the skinwalker have a face? They would hauntedly say, this is merely our parents trying to stop us from having our fun. Why should we let them? They again partied around large bonfires in the woods until late into the night. The parents, dismayed that their tricks have failed, lamented on and let it continue. There was no main issue with the partying. The children still got up to do their chores and tended their farms, if a little cranky. That is, until they began to disappear one by one. Each night, one would disappear from the bonfires without the others noticing. The children, assuming it was their parents pulling tricks again, continued to party. After five disappearances, word got around town that there was a curfew set. During the day, men would go to search the woods and mothers would sit on the soft and comfy chairs imported from foreign lands and lay their grief down on the ground as they'd rip and tear at their hair. Their cries would be heard all the way into the forest where I was camping in my little cave. Their crying was annoying. Their children were alive, if a little less of what they used to be. I proudly sat and looked at my newest creation. The face before me was perfectly intact. I had botched the other two and ripped the sides, ruining the faces, but this one was perfect. That was until I noticed the crinkles in the cheeks. There was suddenly a long and inhumanly deep laugh from farther into the cave. I jumped up and snatched my knife from the bloody cloth and whipped my face to the unknown entity in the cave. Shambling out came an eight-legged monster dripping with moisture from the dank insides of the cave. It was wrapped in hide after hide of what looked like leather. Upon closer inspections, they were perfect faces. They all looked as if they were freshly ripped off their victims' faces. A cold shiver went down my spine. This was more than what I was. I was a murderer who wanted more from their kills. This was something else. Something much more evil and ancient. This was a skinwalker. A little advice from an experienced predator. It drawled into a deep gravelly voice. Use the oil you cook with them to help ease the wrinkles in the face. 